Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me always is my husband and partner in crime, Ricky. The purpose of this podcast is to honor the victims through ethical storytelling in the hopes of preventing future tragedies. We want our stories to resonate and educate others in hopes that some of these similar cases with identifiable patterns can be prevented. Now, before we jump in, please let us warn you that this is a true crime podcast. The details of this episode may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion advised. Today we bring you to the bourbon capital of the world, a small town known as Bardstown, Kentucky, a quaint community with famous distilleries, old churches, and plenty of pastures. It is quintessential small-town America. One day on July 3rd, 2015, a mother of five met her boyfriend at his family farm to help tend to his animals. And allegedly late that night after completing their chores, the pair drove home and went to bed. For the couple, it was like any other night, nothing out of the ordinary. But the next morning, an unsettling truth would rock the small Kentucky town and the nation. In this week's episode of Crime Salad, we dive into the disappearance of Crystal Rogers and the shocking updates that have recently come to light. On July 4th, 2015, it was Crystal's parents who first noticed something was off when Crystal wouldn't answer her phone. After calling again and again with no answer, they decided to reach out to her boyfriend, Brooks Hauk. Brooks seemed just as shocked as Crystal's parents when he explained that she had vanished the night before. He guessed that Crystal had just gotten out of bed and left in the middle of the night, leaving all five of her children behind. Now, Crystal's parents were not convinced of Brooke's story. Crystal was a doting mother. She would never leave her children behind. To be honest, Crystal's parents were never fond of her boyfriend anyway, even though he was the father of Crystal's youngest child. You see, Crystal and Brooke's relationship was reportedly tumultuous, marked by arguments and tension. Immediately, Crystal's parents suspected foul play. Crystal's parents reported her missing on July 5th, 2015, when they found her car abandoned next to mile marker 14 on Bluegrass Parkway. It was a red Chevy Impala with a flat tire. Many of Crystal's belongings, including her purse and her cell phone, were still inside her car, but there was no sign of Crystal. As our listeners know, finding a missing person's belongings in their car is never a good sign. This discovery raised immediate concerns about her safety and well-being, and suspicion grew towards her former boyfriend, Brooks. Law enforcement called on a team of cadaver dogs to search the car and the area, but none of the dogs alerted to Crystal's scent. This led law enforcement to believe that she wasn't the one to drive the car and park it along the highway. It seemed that someone had staged the crime scene. 
Law enforcement agencies, including the Kentucky State Police and the FBI, launched an extensive investigation into Crystal Rogers' disappearance. The agencies collected video footage that showed Crystal leaving the supermarket with her children on the day of her disappearance. Investigators also shared one of her last text messages where Crystal texted a good friend, expressing her excitement at getting a babysitter and spending some much-needed time alone with Brooks. That text message was the last time anyone had heard from her besides her boyfriend, Brooks. Hoping to find any trace of Crystal, search parties scoured the community, searching nearby fields, woods, and several bodies of water. However, despite their efforts, no significant evidence or leads were uncovered. After days of searching, Crystal's family and investigators began to believe that it was the Hauk family farm that would hold vital clues to the mother's disappearance. This 245-acre plot of land located in Bardstown, Kentucky, is surrounded by heavily wooded areas and has been described as a relatively secluded property. Law enforcement turned their attention to this property, hoping to find a new lead in this case. Now, while they were investigating the farm, police found a white Buick that was parked on the property, a car that was there when Crystal went missing. Now, unfortunately, police discovered that the car had been sold, and with that, they had missed their chance to search the vehicle. Now, allegedly, the Hauk brother's grandma, Anna Whitesides, owned the white Buick and sold it several weeks after Crystal went missing, so it seemed a little suspicious to them. The subpoena stated that the car may have been used to dispose of a body and then cleaned and sold in an attempt to prevent evidence from being discovered. Now, although the 82-year-old grandmother refused to testify in front of a grand jury, attorney Jason Floyd said her statement to police and the car buyer's information was enough. Anything that investigators may know about the car has been left confidential. So that's pretty much all that we know about this white Buick. Now, after months of investigation, investigators zeroed in on two suspects, Danny Singleton and Brooks Houck. While we don't know much about Singleton, in December of 2015, he was indicted on 38 counts of perjury in connection to Crystal's disappearance, but pleaded guilty to 38 lesser charges of false swearing. It's still unclear what exactly Singleton lied about under oath, but he was sentenced to 360 days in jail. When multiple suspects were being investigated and arrested, it led the public to speculate that this could be a team effort to murder and dispose of Crystal Rogers' body, or maybe this was a murder-for-hire plot. Hmm. Seems that way. Yeah, to me, it does too. Now, Brooks Houck, who was always the number one suspect in this case, was the last person to see Crystal alive. Because Brooks told investigators that his family farm was the last place that he saw Crystal, the Houck family farm was searched numerous times over the following years. The FBI also conducted searches at the Woodlawn Springs subdivision in Bardstown, where a company owned by Brooks Houck had built more than a dozen homes. So let's talk a bit more about Brooks Houck. Brooks Houck at first came off as a wonderful family man. He and Crystal shared their youngest child together after all, and he regularly helped out with Crystal's four other children. He was a businessman and he owned multiple rental properties in a company called Halk Rentals, LLC. Now, just a side note here. Brooks didn't participate in any of the search efforts for Crystal 
not even once. He really didn't even put any effort into the investigation at all. And he stuck by his claim that Crystal had just up and left. Hey all, we're taking a moment to tell you about my all-time favorite way to get in a relaxed mood. It's Dipsy. You may have heard about them, but just take a moment to picture yourself hanging out in your favorite spot, headphones on, and the world around you fades away. If your 2023 year has been full of stress, you totally deserve a moment or two with Dipsy. When listening to Dipsy stories, I become immersed in a vivid world, and it's pretty amazing, to be honest. Every touch, every breath, every stolen glance is felt with breathtaking intensity. Just a warning, it's going to get a bit steamy. It's pretty much like your romantic novel, but Dipsy style. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. Radically inclusive, Dipsy has stories for everyone, including straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voice acted by people of color. You can now listen to spicy audios by your favorite TikTok creators. They're attentive to your every need, prioritizing your pleasure, and have voices that will make you melt. Ricky's still waiting for them to ask him to use his voice, but they haven't messaged him yet. Anyways, they have new content that is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Now, don't worry, their stories aren't all hot and steamy. They have soothing sleep stories, too. So if you're trying to get some sleep or you're trying to work on your wellness, they have those also. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, and relax, unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash crime salad. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash crime salad. Dipsystories.com slash crime salad. Looking at him, he just didn't even seem bothered by her leaving. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, Brooks is the father of Crystal's child, right? Like the former boyfriend to Crystal. He should at least be actively looking with her friends and family investigators. Even in the case we just did with Barry Morphew, he at least joined in on the efforts. Yeah, he's like giving no effort. But yeah, no, he never once helped in the search and neither did his brother Nick Houck. Wait, his brother was involved too? Well, here's the twist for you, Ricky. So soon after Crystal Rogers went missing, Brooks Houck's brother, Nick Houck, also became a person of interest. What's interesting is that he was a Bardstown police officer at the time of Crystal's disappearance. Just speculating here. But you know who would be a great person to help cover up a murder that you committed when you have the FBI knocking on your front door? O.J. Simpson. Yeah, that'd be a good one too. Your police officer brother, if you had one. Oh, even better. It seems like Brooks had a man on the inside. I mean, this is all just a hunch. And you might feel this way also after you hear the police interviews. I'm going to play a clip from the police interview with Brooks that took place on July 8th. At one point during this interview, Brooks gets a call and he asked the detective if he could answer it. 
The voice on the other end belonged to his brother, Nick Houck, and he was calling to give Brooks legal advice. Hello? I'm up here. I know that you didn't know. I'm up here in this interview with the detective, Detective Snow. I've been up here a good little while. I know I, I'm not. I know that. But the way that I look at it is I, I'm innocent. I ain't done nothing wrong. I know you told me innocent people have got jammed up, but if you're telling me to leave, I'll get up and leave. I don't think she, I don't think she's ran off with some other guy. I don't, I don't believe that. I'll do exactly what you're telling me to do right now. You want me to get up and leave? All right. Thank you. He thinks y'all are gonna fuck is what he thinks. I don't know who he is. Nick, my brother. Listen, have I told you that I'm for you? My job is to find Crystal, right? That's right. However that happens, my job is to find her. Now, you just heard that call where Nick calls Brooks unexpectedly, apparently. I mean, this call, doesn't it seem a little bit rehearsed to you? It's hard a little to say. bit. Like it felt very good cop, bad cop, like a, a play. Now, in this next clip that I'm going to share with you was during Nick's interview. It's the brother, right? Yeah, this is Brooks' brother. And detectives ask Nick when he found out that Crystal was missing. Okay. So let's take a listen. When did you find out Crystal was missing? Within a couple of days. How, how did you find out? Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, I don't know if Brooks had mentioned it or I saw it on TV. It was all over Facebook and everything. You know, I mean, it's everywhere. It's on I mean, national news. I mean, this is, this is, for all intents and purposes, your sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. And she she's missing. I mean, do, do you and your brother just not talk to that extent that, you know, he... That's, that's kind of bad, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, but, but he, yeah. never, he never called you and told you she was missing or no, nobody else in your family called and told you that she was missing or called and asked had you seen her. Yeah. It was it unusual for her to take off like that? Or? I know Brooks has said she's taken off to her, uh, I think her mom's before, but, I, you know, I, I didn't know anything about that either. Now, to me, it sounds like Nick hints to investigators that he and his brother don't talk very much. In fact, he found out this information online or maybe on the news. But you think that you would hear that first from your actual brother. Yeah, even if you're not close, that's something you call about. Right. Because he could help with the search. He's a police officer. You think that would be the first person you would call, hey, my girlfriend is missing, the mother of my child I can't find her. Like, I'm going to need some help. Right. Like, what do I do? What's the first steps? Do I put in a missing persons report? Like, those are questions that our police officer brother could help with. Yeah. Now, if you think that was strange, during Nick's interview on the 15th, investigators questioned Nick why he and Brooks meet up at the family farm and stay there for a few hours in the evening on the 8th, right after Brooks' interview with police. So if you remember that first interview where Brooks was talking and his brother Nick called, This took place right after the interview when he left. Him and his brother go to the farm together. Mm, Okay. So that that night after you called your brother and told him to leave or told him to to be careful or take care of himself, et cetera, et cetera. Did you all meet up anywhere? Not that I recall. I don't think we did. You know, you talked about the videos out there at your... Mm -hmm. The house on the corner of Pasco Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, that video does show you 
and your brother going out there arriving at the same time, right behind each other. Mm-hmm. We got witnesses that said they remember passing both of you and on 49. We didn't make a special trip out there together. That's what you're getting at. I mean, I mean that's just that's just a just a coincidence that y'all showed up at the same time mm-hmm. to go out there. You know, and and then y'all were out there till right at 11:22. You you start out and stop down at the end of the drive, back back up, and then y'all leave out together. What's that mean? You said I, I backed up, or mm-hmm. you, you you started down the drive and stopped, and then backed back up the hill a little bit. And then I guess I don't know if you're waiting for him or what, but y'all left together. I, I don't remember that, but well, I mean, well, we, know, we know you wrote that you arrived together and mm-hmm. you left together. We know that. So, just like Nick said, it was just a simple coincidence that right after Brooks' interview, they both meet up at night at the farm and they left at the same exact time. Conveniently, Nick doesn't remember this happening, even though police found surveillance of Nick following his brother to the family farm and then leaving late that night together. Unfortunately, we don't know exactly what happened that night on the family farm, so we can only speculate. Hmm. Maybe they're playing uh, flashlight tag. Or maybe they were just cow tipping. Or they're tampering with evidence. I don't know. Maybe. That's probably what I would think. So police have video evidence of Nick's police cruiser and Brooks' truck arriving at the farm on the evening of the 8th. This was captured on a camera close to the entrance of the family farm, where they can clearly see that they're arriving onto the property together. And Nick explains that, well, yeah, sometimes that accidentally happens. It is their family farm after all. It was definitely a coincidence. But what raises even more questions is why did Nick bring his police cruiser to the farm when he wasn't even working that day? Let's listen to the clip of the interview of what investigators bring to the table. Which kind of leads us to, to the issue with the cruiser here. Okay. Mm-hmm. We got we got some issues. Okay. You, you're aware that when the cruiser was taken from you, that, that it was actually taken to the Texas State Police Forensic Central Laboratory. That's what I was saying. You know, keep me at Okay. All right. You know what luminol is used for? Find blood, okay, or other bodily fluid. Bodily fluid. Uh-huh. Okay. So, why would why would your trunk look like a Smurf if they sprayed it? Why would it fluoresce? There's a couple spots in your trunk and that blanket. I mean, just lit up like Chernobyl. Why why, why would that? There, there's not going to be any blood in the trunk. Okay. Well, I'm not say blood. I'm talking about other bodily fluids. I don't have you blood. Um, there shouldn't there shouldn't be any body bodily fluids in the trunk. I mean, there, there's only one way bodily fluids can get into a trunk. That's if a body's near by, right? I've got no explanation for that. I don't have, I mean, none whatsoever. Nobody has access to that car, but you, you drive it, you put the blanket in there, you set that. If there's something on that blanket or in that car, you're the person that has something to do with it, correct? I mean, I don't know if somebody made that up or what the deal is, but I... I mean, well, we're not in the business of yeah, making stuff up. Yeah, we don't. Mean, so we can't change what happened in that trunk. We can't change... Um, that the test showed that there's bodily fluids in that trunk area. What what we need to do is we need to find out why that's the case. So you heard that right. The detective on the case asked Nick, why would the back of your trunk look like a Smurf? I bet this dude is like covered in sweat. Probably just has like sweat droplets dripping down his face. Yeah. But he stands his ground and does not budge. I still can't believe that Brooks never looked for Crystal. Like, 
the day after he's hanging out with his brother playing flashlight tag at the farm or whatever they were doing, cow tipping. Like they're not looking for a crystal. They're and they have no idea why they were at the farm. Like they can't even speak to that. Yeah, and then also to mention, Nick failed a polygraph test after refusing to take one. Even though we know that we can't really rely on that as evidence, it still doesn't sit right. So police then suspend Nick as a police officer for being uncooperative, and one month later he was fired. It seems that protecting his family was far more important than keeping his respected job. However, at this time, he has not been charged in connection with the disappearance. And I know that was something that you were asking, Ricky. Yeah. So, no, nothing yet. But hmm. I feel like that could change. Evidence-wise, we had virtually no evidence. In 1995, Detective Tony Richardson was trying to figure out who killed a fellow officer. The case comes down to who is believed and who is ignored. Oh my goodness, we did convict an innocent man. I'm Beth Shelburne from Lava for Good Podcasts. This is Ear Witness. Listen to Ear Witness on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, one major obstacle of locating Crystal has been the lack of physical evidence. Without a body or any conclusive forensic evidence, law enforcement had struggled to build a solid case against any suspect. Without any trace of Crystal, no contact with her parents, investigators assumed that she was deceased and that her disappearance was under suspicious circumstances. Since the day of her disappearance, Crystal's family has been relentless in their pursuit of justice for their beloved daughter and sister. They have actively sought media attention, organized vigils, and offered a substantial reward for information leading to Crystal's whereabouts or the arrest and conviction of those responsible for her disappearance. The family's determination has also led to the creation of documentaries and podcasts dedicated to shedding light on the case. These efforts have helped keep Crystal's story in the public eye, generating new leads and encouraging new witnesses to come forward with information. As the family continuously searched for Crystal, they faced another haunting loss. In 2016, Tommy Ballard, the father of Crystal Rogers, who had been a huge part in the search for his missing daughter, met a tragic end. He was Crystal's voice and worked tirelessly to find answers and bring attention to her disappearance. He organized search parties and participated in efforts to locate Crystal and now, Tommy Ballard was on the other end of the search for answers. 16 months after Crystal's disappearance, on November 19, 2016, Tommy was fatally shot while preparing for a hunting trip with his grandson on private property. Tragically, the 12-year-old boy witnessed his own grandfather's murder. According to reports, Tommy was struck by a single gunshot. As you can imagine, for a young boy, this would be extremely traumatic to witness. And with the chaos that ensued, he was unable to identify the shooter. Emergency services were called to the scene, but Tommy Ballard was quickly pronounced dead. All right, just so we're clear here, though, this was like not like a hunting accident, right? Is this just like a straight up murder? Well, that's a good question, because the circumstances surrounding Tommy Ballard's death have been the subject of much speculation. Now, initially, law enforcement treated this incident as a hunting accident. However, I think we can all agree that this was no accident and no coincidence. 
For one reason or another, Tommy was targeted. Some believe it's because of his dedication to never give up the search to find his daughter. This theory suggests that he may have been murdered to silence his endless search for his daughter or to hinder the investigation into Crystal Rogers' disappearance. However, no concrete evidence has been presented to support these claims, and the investigation into Tommy Ballard's death remains open. Now, as you can imagine, the loss of Tommy Ballard was a devastating blow to the Ballard family and the Bardstown community, who now mourned over two of their own. Tommy's death further intensified the sense of tragedy and mystery surrounding the Crystal Rogers case. The investigation into both Crystal's disappearance and Tommy's death continues, with law enforcement agencies working diligently to uncover the truth and bring those responsible to justice. Authorities offered a reward of up to $10,000 for information leading to the person responsible for Tommy's death. Now, if you've been following this case at all, you may have seen that there have been some shocking updates. So let's start here. If there's one thing we do know about this case, it's that there aren't many details that have gone public, which means that they are still investigating. But if you're like me, you're sitting on the edge of your seat because it's been eight long years since Crystal went missing. And this case has just recently been popping back up in the news. As you can imagine, the frustration and years of grief, Crystal's family are, I'm sure, completely exhausted, but they want justice for Tommy and Crystal. Someone in the town of Bardstown knows something, and over the years, it seems like no one has willingly come forward, but investigators are getting closer. Okay, let's get into the incredible updates. A more thorough and intensive investigation of Crystal's disappearance began in 2020 when the FBI took over the case. In 2021, and within a new look into the case, we do know that a cadaver dog signaled at a dirt mound located near a subdivision. This prompted the FBI to dig up the driveway of a home that was built by Houck in the Woodlawn Springs neighborhood. This driveway was eventually ripped up by FBI using sonar equipment and backhoes. And as far as we know, what evidence the police have, we don't know. You may have heard the latest update in this case. Brooks Houck, Crystal's boyfriend, at the time of her disappearance, has been arrested. Now, according to court documents, he is facing charges of murder and tampering with physical evidence, and he is being held on a $10 million bond. Wow, $10 million? That's that's a lot of money. Maybe you can reach out to Barry Morphew and borrow a few bucks. Yeah, he probably could do that. Now, his indictment states, quote, Acting alone or in complicity with another, Hauk committed the offense of murder by intentionally or under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life, wantonly causing the death of Crystal Rogers. Now, his arraignment was on Thursday, October 5th, 2023. And on that day, I kept refreshing my web browser while I was on the WHAS 11's news page. And it was reporter Shay McAllister who was present in the courtroom and who provided the updates. She has been following this case from day one, and she deserves a shout out on this episode. Sherry Ballard and her daughter, and also Brooke's side of the family, were present in the courtroom while Brooks Houck appeared in court over video for his arraignment. 
And as you may have guessed, he took a firm stand to plead not guilty to all charges. And in response, Special Prosecutor Shane Young stated that they have over a terabyte of evidence, including thousands of documents to support this case. I'm actually really curious what like Brooks and his team have, because like a terabyte of data is a ton of data. Like that's a lot of information. Now, the pretrial is scheduled for February 8th of 2024 at 1 o'clock p.m., so hopefully by then we can give you some more updates on this case. Hey, podcast listeners, we've got a bit of an unusual sponsor for this episode. It's The Jordan Harpinger Show, which is a podcast we love. I realize everyone online and off recommends a podcast you have to listen to, and normally you may skip over something like this, but I am telling you that you should be listening to The Jordan Harpinger Show, too. Jordan's show, which Apple named one of the best in 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. He talks to everyone from neuroscientists to counterfeiters to astronauts, authors, thinkers, and performers. In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you. And in another episode, he talks to an art forger who was on the run from the feds and the mafia. Two episodes that I really liked were conversations with Thomas Erickson about how to protect yourself from psychopaths and how to think like an FBI agent with Kevin Barrows. Jordan's a good interviewer, he has great guests, and is focused on pulling useful, practical insights out of his subjects. Check out jordanharpinger.com start for some episode recommendations, or you can search for The Jordan Harpinger Show, that's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, there were a few things during the arraignment that happened that I would like to mention. Brooks' attorney asked the judge if his bond could be reduced from $10 million cash bond to $500,000 cash bond and GPS monitoring. And he gave the reasons that Brooks is low risk, and in his years of practice as an attorney, he has never seen a bond that high. Now, this is eight long years of grief and unanswered questions that were left on Crystal's family's shoulders. So much effort has been spent searching and investigating to get to this point of Brooks' arraignment. Asking for a reduced bond is a slap in the face to me. And you can just see the hurt in Crystal's family as they had to sit there and listen to the conversation about this. Because to them, why would they even consider that? The judge made the comment that he believes the witnesses of this case are at risk. And that may be very true, because the prosecutor dropped a bombshell after that. Shane Young stated that in his office, they are continuing to investigate Crystal's father's murder, which is also believed to be linked to Crystal's case, which we all suspected. But he stated that a gun which was in Nick Houck's possession is now being tested, and it's believed to be the weapon that killed Tommy Ballard. So with that explanation, there seems to definitely be a risk. Nick Ballard hasn't been arrested. Maybe that will change in the future, but we don't know. So since the arraignment, everyone following this case was standing by waiting for the judge to make a decision. And finally, a decision was announced on Monday, October 9th. The Nelson County Circuit Court Judge Charles C. Sims III 
denied Brooks Houck's request, and he made that decision based on four of the following reasons. So the judge believed that Brooks had access to a substantial amount of money, as he owns three different businesses, which include owning at least 83 properties that are mostly rental properties. And the second reason is that although Brooks was considered a low flight risk and a low risk to reoffend, with the gravity of the murder charge and being that he's in good health, the court decided that he is a risk. And the third reason being that the court believes that the witnesses are in grave danger. The court believes that Nick has been assisting Brooks throughout this entire case, and him owning a gun that is believed to have been used to shoot and kill Tommy Ballard, what makes them think that won't happen again? And the fourth reason being the Hauk family secretly recording the grand jury proceeding. That fourth reason is interesting. So the prosecutor during the arraignment brought this up, that members of Brooks' family recorded the grand jury proceeding. The problem with this is that the grand jury proceedings are to be kept secret. According to the prosecutor, when the FBI searched Brooks' grandmother's farm, they found micro-recorders in a jacket in a closet, and supposedly these included recordings from the grand jury room, which occurred around two weeks from when Crystal went missing. Specifically, a brief conversation between Brooks and his sister Rhonda were heard speaking while Brooks was setting up the recorder for her, and Rhonda was actually quite hesitant about all this, but Brooks said, no, we need to hear it. Typically, this is illegal in the state of Kentucky, but charges haven't been made. Now, as we know, Crystal and Brooks shared a two-year-old little boy, and since Crystal has gone missing, the boy is now almost 11 years old and he spent most of his time with his father, Brooks. Yep, the person who is suspected of murdering his mom. The child was able to visit with the Ballards every other Saturday, but that came to an end in 2018, when a judge stated that Sherry Ballard publicly and continually said that she believed Brooks Houck killed her daughter. But, I mean, can we blame her? She is Crystal's mom, who never gave up a day to get justice for her daughter. It has been an ongoing fight for Crystal's mother, Sherry Ballard, to see her grandson since Crystal went missing. A private hearing was held recently since Brooke's arrest, and although it remains confidential as to who gets custody now, there were a few clues that make us believe that Sherry Ballard is getting custody. She was seen smiling from ear to ear and appeared to be feeling pretty good. While the Hauk family, on the other hand, left without saying a word. Honestly, I haven't seen her smile in any media coverage since her daughter went missing, so I believe something good came out of this hearing, but that's all speculation. Regardless, this case is heading in the right direction. After eight long years, Brooks is arrested. We are getting closer so that justice can be served. This is all huge news for the locals of Barstown, Kentucky, or anyone who has been following this case. We all knew that this guy had something to do with it, but it seems like investigators were gathering the right evidence to pin him to Crystal's murder and possibly Tommy's murder now. Because of this arrest, I feel like they are pretty confident in the evidence that they have. Now, to the public, it seems like this case has gone cold over the years, but now we know investigators did not let this case go cold. They knew what the answer was. It was just a matter of gathering the right evidence and a matter of looking in the right places. This cold case is heating up. Got that right. 
Now, additionally, a man by the name of Joseph Lawson was arrested on September 7th in connection with this case, and he was indicted on charges of conspiracy to commit murder and tampering with evidence. He also pleaded not guilty in Nelson Circuit Court, and his bond was set at $500,000 cash. And during Brooks' arraignment, it was said that he received this lower bail because he didn't have any possessions when they found him other than his truck, and they found him alone and naked. Now, with Crystal's case, we also wanted to add a few other tragedies that seem to plague the small community of Bardstown, Kentucky. These are cases that don't have any connection to Crystal that we know of, but we want to mention these cases because they have yet to be solved. So in 2013, police officer Jason Ellis was shot and killed on his way home around 3 o'clock in the morning. And at around this time, he had stopped along the same road where Crystal's car was found, Bluegrass Parkway. He stopped there to clear a few tree limbs out of the road. Now later, when police investigated the scene, the limbs appeared to be staged as a bait for someone to move. Now there's no proof that this murder has anything to do with Crystal's, but... They still haven't found his killer. And as we know, anything is possible at this point. On the evening of April 21st, 2014, 16-year-old Samantha Netherland and her mother, 48-year-old Kathy Netherland, were found dead inside their home in Bardstown. It's not believed that these murders are related to crystals, but the family is still looking for answers. Kathy had been shot multiple times and Samantha had been stabbed. Both were brutally beaten before their deaths. And it's believed that this was more of a personal murder, considering the violence that was involved in this crime. According to officials, a black car was seen on surveillance footage near the home around the time of their death, which is believed to be driven by the individual responsible for their deaths. And then about five years after Crystal's disappearance in November of 2020, human remains were found in the area, but they were not identified as Crystal. In fact, there is no match for these remains. It's said that the remains are of a woman aged 24 to 82, between 5'1 and 5'9, quite a big range. Although Crystal's mom was hopeful to have some closure when they found these remains, she just had a feeling that it wasn't her. Some people in the town believe that it could be like an Indian burial ground, but it's really hard to tell, especially with that age gap and that height gap. Now, all of these families who were affected, they all want answers, and they all want justice for these precious souls that were lost. Although none of them seem at all to be tied to each other, these individuals have been murdered, and their killer or killers deserve to be held accountable. The devastating disappearance of Crystal Rogers, this vibrant young woman, has sparked national attention and raised questions about the safety and security of small-town America— Her story has even helped to keep these other open cases from going completely cold. After eight long years of tirelessly hunting for justice for her daughter, Crystal's mother, Sherry Ballard, said that the one thing that keeps her going is the community that has rallied around her. Although nothing can bring her daughter back, she stated in an interview that she is filled with emotion after the arrest of Brooks Houck was made. Brooks' arrest is one step closer to justice for Crystal Rogers. And that completes this week's episode. Hopefully we'll have more updates soon. But before we go, let's thank our patrons and our Apple Plus subscribers. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for supporting our show. We really, really appreciate it. 
And I hope you guys are enjoying the mini-sodes. So the side salad mini-sodes. They've been uh, pretty fun. Yeah, we put out two so far. So. Hopefully you can do a couple with me or even like by yourself too, just because it's yeah. fun. Yeah, it is fun. Um, but I like them because like I always find like these little short stories that don't have a ton of information, but they're definitely worth sharing because yeah. they're interesting. But yeah, if you guys ever find like any mini stories that happen in your area, definitely send them our way because we're looking for more little mini uh, stories for our mini-sodes. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to hear from you. Also, consider joining our Patreon for the chat room. And then we also have a chat room on Facebook, too. How much is it to join? I don't know. I mean, you can join for a dollar. Really? That's it? One dollar. And what do you get with that? Like, do you get like no ads on our episodes yeah so one dollar gets you ad free and then there's another tier for like bonus episodes and stuff like that but apple plus is just 1.99 what cheaper than a pack of gum yeah it's a good deal woohoo woohoo and also i just want to add if you are listening to us now take a few seconds to give us a five-star review because we need to make our reviews a little bit more positive there's a lot of negativity and it just makes us a little sad so let's boost that up a little yeah pump 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 it up Pump, pump, pump it up. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye.